right, so it is August, and we are starting a brand new series today, as you see, and it is just two words. It's called Live Free. How many of you know that we were designed by our maker to be free? Amen? God's plan for us was that we would be free. Freedom is one of the hallmark traits of our faith. You know, if you look at our faith as a wheel, there's a lot of spokes in that wheel of faith, right? There's redemption, there's sanctification, there's holiness, there's the righteousness of Christ, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's salvation, there's love, and all the fruit of the Spirit that come with love as well. Lots of spokes in that wheel. And I would say today that every one of them springs off of freedom. Every one of them. Salvation is freedom from sin and death, right? Love is freedom from hate. The only way you can really love is with the Spirit of God in you. Uh, mercy, grace, that is freedom from the judgment that we deserve. It's all about freedom. Our whole life is about freedom. And so I'm really, really excited about this month. I'm excited about today um, because I feel like I, I, I have, this is a bit in my wheelhouse when it comes to speaking about freedom. And the reason is because I know what it's like to be in bondage. I've lived in bondage. I've lived in bondage to unforgiveness, to fear, to lust, to selfishness, to religion. Major bondage to that. And so the reason I feel like this is in my wheelhouse is because even though I've lived in all of those things, I also know what it's like to be free. And let me tell you, when you've been set free and truly living free, it is a life-changing experience. It is something you wanna tell everybody about. And I believe God's given me a little bit of authority in this, so I'm really excited to be sharing with you this month about freedom and what that looks like in our life because I can tell you that being in ministry, I am often heartbroken by the amount of bondage I see in the church, among us as Christians, where we aren't living the freedom that Jesus came to give us. And that breaks my heart because it's not for us. There's no place for that in our life, yet we continue to allow ourselves to be put in that place. And I can tell you today, on the authority of God's word, that there is nothing in this world that has the power to take your freedom. I'll say it again, there is nothing in this world that has the power to take your freedom, nothing. And so if we're not living in freedom, it's not because we're powerless to live in freedom, it's because we've chosen to give it away. We've given that freedom to someone else. And I know some of you would look at me and say, how dare you say that? Yes, I, I feel like I am in bondage in areas in my life, but I have asked, no, I've begged Jesus to set me free. Many times, I don't wanna live in that prison well, can I tell you today, with all the love that I can muster, if that's your response, that's actually part of your problem. Our approach to freedom matters. It's not just something we get to just have because the Bible says we have it. We have to know how to live it out in our life. And it's not about begging Jesus to give us freedom. We are free. You are free. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, you are free. And I'm gonna to prove to you over the, today and over this month that freedom is something that is not only attainable, it's yours for the taking. And I believe some of you are going to get some freedom this month. I believe some of you have already got it during worship, just, just releasing things to the Lord, even when it comes to our family and letting God come into situations to say that we are here for you, God. Even in our family, come into my situations. And we're gonna to get to experience some really incredible freedom. And that's my desire today, is that you would be able to see what freedom looks like. Because see, Jesus didn't, doesn't pick and choose who gets to be free. 
If one Christian's free and another one's all bound up, it's not because Jesus to chose to free that guy and not another guy. He doesn't pick and choose who gets to be free. It's not like he says, oh yeah, well, you're, you know, you're good. You, you go to church a lot. I'm gonna go ahead and set you free, but you, know, you still cuss a little bit and I know you listen to secular radio sometimes, so nah, we're not re you're not ready for the freedom. That's not what he does, right? Just like he doesn't pick and choose who gets to get saved. If you come to the cross, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. He doesn't pick and choose salvation. He doesn't pick and choose freedom. It is once for all, for all of us. So I say all that just to kind of set up my text verse this morning. So you guys are in for a long message because I'm just now getting to my title. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll get you out of here on time. But I do have a lot to say because I get really excited about this. So would you guys stand with me as we read our text verse together? If you have your Bibles, you can open to Galatians 5. This book of Galatians, one of the best books in all the Bible. This is this is the letter Paul wrote to the church in Galatia that he actually set up and, found, and they had been set free and they were going back into bondage. They were willfully choosing to go back into some of the religious things they dealt with before they gave their life to Jesus. And Paul's having to correct it. He said, you guys are living in bondage, you don't have to do that. And so chapter five, verse one is one of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Everyone say, has set. Stand firm then and do not let. Everyone say, do not let. Do not let. do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So he has set and do not let. That's all you need to know. Let's pray and go home. Just kidding. That's very important though. He has set, do not let yourself be enslaved again. We were all enslaved before Jesus. Now that we have Jesus, we're not enslaved anymore. The title of my message is very easy today. It's just be free. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you that it is you who does the transforming in our life. You are the one who set us free. We thank you that if we know you as our Lord and Savior, that we are free. Let that be manifested in our life today, God. Let this be a turning point in many of our lives today where we will live out the freedom that you designed for us to live. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, let's be free. Praise God. So have any of you ever lost your freedom? Don't raise your hand. But has anyone ever lost personal freedom? Uh, you know what freedom looks like once you haven't had it, right? The, the closest thing I can compare it to for me was when I got my driver's license and the freedom I felt when I got those licenses. In fact, I remember the day I got them, my mom let me drive to my friend's house for my first solo flight it was about three miles away, and it was the greatest moment of my life up to that point. Because I had the windows down, I had the radio blaring on the station I wanted. And I'm not gonna say what that station was, but it was fun. And I drove to my friend's house, and I thought it was the greatest thing in my life. But I was a very overconfident driver, and I had a bit of a heavy foot, so I got a lot of speeding tickets. So I lost my license within the first six months of having them. <laughs> and then I got them back, and I lost them again. Before I was 18, I lost my license twice. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. I've been delivered from a lot of that, but, uh, but I remember feeling, I remember how it felt to lose my license and actually losing that freedom and having to count on someone else to take me around wherever I needed to go, right? Um, it does not feel good when you lose those freedoms. And I can say in our faith that that's exactly what happens to us. We, we lose our freedom, the difference is the state isn't coming in and taking that freedom, we're giving it away. 
We're giving it away. And I'm gonna explain that a little more, but we need to understand that if you are not free today, it is not because you are a victim of anyone except yourself, okay? There's forces at work trying to make you feel unfree, but you have freedom that is yours. Uh, you know, I like to watch crime documentaries. I've talked about this before. Uh, if I just gonna sit down and do nothing, I don't watch much TV, but if I do, I'll, I just love the crime documentaries. I like to see how the system works and how there's you know, justice at the end, usually. And uh, there was one I was watching a couple weeks ago that kind of came to my mind as I was preparing this. Uh, this man was convicted of murdering his mother-in-law in the middle of the night in her home. And uh, the only thing they had to go on that, that convicted him was the gr a granddaughter was in the house at the time, seven years old, and saw a man kill her grandmother, which was tra traumatic and horrific, obviously. But she pointed him out and said, it was my uncle that did it. And she pointed him out in court, was the only evidence they had, and they convicted him based solely on that. They had DNA at the scene, but they said it was too degraded to get a good sample. And uh, so he went to prison. Well, his, his wife, who was the daughter of the woman that was killed, just believed wholeheartedly that he was innocent. And so she worked tirelessly to try to exonerate him. Somehow she got a hold of the DNA sample, took it to some lab that had a better processing way of processing it. This was years ago before it was so prevalent. And they were actually able to get a, uh, a hit. They got a, 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 a clean sample of it. They were able to determine who, what the DNA was, put it in the system, got a hit on it. Turns out it was this woman's next door neighbor who was already a convicted felon who killed her. And when they confronted him, he actually admitted to it. So the guy, the husband was released from prison. After six long years of being in prison for something he didn't commit, his wife, working tirelessly, got him exonerated and got him out. Now, that's, that's a much greater example of losing your freedom than me and my driver's license, right? And so when I, when I think about this and I think about the freedom we have as followers of Jesus, I think, man, that is such a great example of how we were in prison too. Of course, we deserved it because of our own sin nature, but Jesus worked tirelessly to get us out. Now, what if when... When he was set free, if the wife came to the prison, the guards walked the man to the gate of the prison and stand aside and say, you're free to go. And he sees his wife standing there with open arms, ready to receive him. And he looks at her and says, nah, I'm good. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm gonna hang out here with my, my bros, right? We would all think that that man lost his mind, right? Because that's absolutely ridiculous. Why would you stay in a prison? But we do the exact same thing all the time where we have been set free by Jesus, but we have chosen to stay in that place in spite of the freedom that he came to bring us. The very freedom Jesus came to bring is something that sits on the sidelines oftentimes while we are on the battlefield trying to figure things out on our own. And church, I know that's a tough word to say, like, if you're not free, it's because of you giving it up, but I'm telling you, I'm, I, I am so tired of us as Christians living bound up when it's not what we were designed for. We are a bunch of us Christians living in prisons with the gates open, and we don't have to be there. And my prayer is that we would step into what freedom really looks like. The reason we miss out on the freedom God has for us so many times is because we have predetermined what it looks like, and oftentimes that's a skewed version of what it really is. So, I know that we all wanna be free. But we also know that your enemy knows that you wanna be free and he doesn't want you to be free. And he has been lying to you and to me and to all of us for thousands of years, telling us that it's, not, it's either not possible, we can't attain it, he knows we can, but he lies to us because he's actually really good at it. He tells us it's not attainable or God forbid that you're actually better off in your prison 
than actually giving your life to Jesus because you don't know if you can trust him. And he's convinced us of that sometimes and it causes us to miss out on so much of the freedom that God really wants us to have. And one of the biggest factors that the enemy uses in our life is fear to keep us from really being free. And I'm gonna touch just a little bit on fear today, here and there, kind of sprinkling it in because I think, I believe fear is probably the biggest thing that keeps us from really living free. Fear about whatever it is that's bound us up and what the other side of that looks like. And we know, if you know anything, you know fear is a liar. But it's a really, really good liar. Think about what fear has convinced you of in your life, right? As a child, it convinced you that there was a man in your closet. Convinced you, or under your bed, somewhere in your house, right? If you were home alone as a young teenager and you heard a creak in the house, there he is. Serial killer, he's here, he's waiting for me. Because fear has convinced you that nothing's gonna talk you out of it, right? Rationale has no place when we're given into fear. Or as, a, as, a, as an adult, you know, you, you have fear that you're not gonna have enough money to pay your bills or to do the things you wanna do. And you can look at spreadsheets and say, these are my expenses, this is my income, my income is more than my expenses, but no rationale, no spreadsheet is going to convince you that you're gonna be okay because fear has convinced you you're not. That's what it does. It is an overwhelming, overriding emotion in our life that will completely cause us to negate all the odds. We just assume with fear, you just assume the odds are, out in, are, are not in your favor, right? I mean, have you ever been on a plane and felt a little turbulence and you got terrified? You thought, oh my gosh, we're going down, right? Even though almost every flight experiences some turbulence. So instead of looking at the odds, which say you have a 99.998% chance your plane's not going down, You've convinced yourself it is. And that's what fear does, it lies to us. And it keeps us in the bondage that we are not meant to live in. And so we have to understand where fear comes from, okay? Fear is not from God. I know the Bible says to fear the Lord. That's not the same kind of fear we're talking about today. Fear does not come from God. Paul's second letter to Timothy, very famous verse in 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us very clearly, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Has not given us a spirit of fear. So any crippling fear you experience in your life is not from God. What he's given us is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So the fear comes from the enemy and fear is not the opposite of faith, okay? It's not faith or fear. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. If you're on an airplane and you're terrified because you're convinced you're going down, you have tons of faith. Your faith is that you are gonna die. So fear is misplaced faith. It's not a lack of faith. And it, it lies to us. It tells us things that are not necessarily going to be true. So what does the freedom in our life look like? What does it look like? How does it, how does it manifest it in our life? I wanna show you a real short video. And um, some of you may have seen this before. Many of you probably haven't. But if, if, if you have or haven't, I, I encourage you to participate. There's some instructions. Go along with the video and, uh, and I'll be back in a second. This is a test of selective attention. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball.
How many passes did you count? The correct answer is 15 passes. But did you see the gorilla? Okay. So, if for those of you that this was your first time seeing that video, how many of you missed the gorilla? <laughs> Good, I'm not alone. I missed it wholeheartedly. In fact, I thought it was fake. When I, the first time I ever saw this video. Uh, th this is a video, many of you probably already seen it. A lot of co corporations use this to, as an exercise to, to show, uh, well, a lot of different things. They use it as a teaching video. But uh, I wanted to show it today because I, I believe it illustrates my point uh, in many ways. Um, it is so easy to miss something significant when you're focused on something else, right? I'm wired such a way, when it said count the passes, I, my thought right away went to, okay, they're gonna try to like do these quick, quick passes and try to mess me up. So, I mean, I was watching that ball like a hawk, right? And I totally never saw the gorilla. And when Joy saw it, she saw the gorilla right away, but it's not fair because she's ADD and she couldn't focus on the ball. So, I said, that doesn't count. You, you cheated. So if you're ADD and you saw the gorilla, you cheated, okay? So um, the rest of us, we were probably a lot of us missed it that first time, but if you're so focused on something in your life, it's easy to miss other things. And what I would suggest to you today, that freedom in our life has a lot to do with focus. What you're focused on. Now, I realize we just had prayer at the altar this morning during worship about praying for our family and asking God to move supernaturally and I, I believe wholeheartedly in that, and my goodness, is there a place for that? We need to believe, we need to be expectant that God is going to move in our life. We need to be expectant that he is who he says he is, and that he has the power to set us free, to deliver us, to come into situations in our family and in our personal lives and our health and our finances, and he could do incredible, powerful, wonderful, amazing supernatural things. We need to believe in those things. But it's not just those things. If your focus is just on the supernatural, then the supernatural was that ball that the kids in the white shirts were throwing, and that's all you see. When the reality is there's other aspects to life as well. Even when God sets us free, we still have to know how to walk that out, right? So I wanna suggest to you today that freedom for the believer is a lot about focus. So I wanna give you two of the biggest focuses that I think keep us from freedom. I'm only giving you two today for the sake of time, I started out with five when I was preparing this, I was like, well, I don't think you guys wanna be here till three in the afternoon, so uh, we're gonna do the top two. I believe these cover most of them anyway because I, I think these are things that really keep us from being able to experience the freedom God wants us to have. And the first one is simply something I just call the magic bullet. The focus on the magic bullet. This is, this is where we are looking only for the supernatural. We're looking for God to come into the situation and just wreck us, right? You've heard the term, I wanna get wrecked. Where he, he, he almost forcibly takes those things from us that are hindering us. And we're looking for that. You know, if, you're, if you were raised Pentecostal or raised in a charismatic church, and you've seen God move in those ways and, and you just wanna experience that and you want that to be the way he does every situation in your life and you're laser focused on that, you could be missing a lot of other aspects of how God wants to help you walk out freedom in your life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking God to fix our situations. Paul says very clearly in Philippians 4, to present your request to God, to give them to him. So it's good to request that. Some of you have done that. Some of you have been 
prayed for for freedom. Some of you have fasted. Some of you have been anointed. Some of you have given up everything that could possibly hinder it. You've given up meat because you think that might get in the way. I mean, you go to church four times a week just to make sure, and you want to see God do these supernatural things, right? And none of those things are bad until it becomes our only focus. That's when it becomes an issue in life. And we limit ourselves when we limit how we will allow God to move in our life. We limit the amount of freedom that we can really walk in. And we can get so caught up in the emotional aspect of faith that we forget that life is lived just as much about in, in the knowledge and the understanding that God gives us too. In some ways, we have to just choose to stand on God's word and believe that what he says is true. My feelings don't always match up with that, but oftentimes our feelings follow our faithfulness in life. I'll say that again. Oftentimes our feelings follow our faithfulness. Because you know, if you've been on this earth any amount of time, you know if you follow your feelings, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a flake. Because our feelings are something else. <laughs> they are as inconsistent as anything in this world. And you can want God to overwhelm you, to free you from something. You know, maybe, you're, maybe you deal with lust and you, just, you want God to just deliver you from that from that thing, but here's the thing, church. Even, even the, the idea of, of lust, and not even just sexual lust, but even just you know, selfishly wanting other things, the, the, the emotion, the feeling, the aspect of your life that even causes that to come out is something that God has given you. What we've done is we've just perverted it. You know, even sexual lust, that's just a perversion of the intimacy that God has created us for. So we can't just ask God to take all that away because then you'd be asking him to take away something that he's actually given you that's meant for you. So it's not just as simple as God just set me free, just get rid of this in my life, right? The emotion that comes from that is something that actually God gave you. So most of you probably know the story of Peter walking on the water, right? Peter and his, some of the disciples are on a boat. Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of the night. The disciples were terrified, right? They are freaking out because they didn't know who it was. And Jesus says, don't worry, it's me. And Peter said, okay, well, if it's you, tell me to come walk on the water to you. And Jesus says, bring it, <laughs> come on out. So Peter literally gets out of the boat, walks on water. Now we know the story that he started to sink because he freaked out a little bit, but the reality is he walked on water. One of the most incredible miracles in all the Bible, to think of a human being walking on top of water, right? And the Bible doesn't talk about it, but you can almost guarantee that Peter and his buddies were talking about it the next day. Like, dude, I cannot believe you did that. I can't believe you walked on water. That is the greatest thing ever. Did you get a picture so we can put it on Instagram? You know? No one would believe it anyway, right? And the emotion of that moment was huge. You can assure yourself it was epic in that moment. But then not too long after this, Jesus gets arrested. They're not on water anymore, now they're on dry land. Jesus gets arrested, and you know, if you know the story, you know all the disciples scattered. Peter hung out far behind him so he wouldn't be associated with them because he was afraid, right? So much so that a little girl was able to recognize him, caused him to call curses down on himself, separating himself from Jesus, saying, I do not know that man. So, what we see from this is that the emotional moment of walking on water, as great as it was, it didn't change Peter. It didn't change him at all. Because not long afterwards, he is cursing himself 
in saying, no way, I do not know this guy because he was so concerned about himself. So what we see from this is that the emotions of an experience with God isn't necessarily the place where everything is going to change in our life. Those emotional moments are wonderful. I've had emotional moments with Jesus. I've had moments where I was crying just because I felt the love of Jesus in my life. And those are wonderful, wonderful moments. And it's not to even say that the emotional moments can't change you, but that's not always what changes you. Sometimes it doesn't. And we can often think that freedom in life is really about those emotional moments of walking on water with Jesus, when the reality is freedom is about walking with Jesus on dry land. See, Peter wasn't really changed until he had an experience with the Holy Spirit and he was willing to give his life for the gospel. That was when he was changed, not by the walking on the water, not by experiencing a lot of the emotional highs, but really giving his life. And we are looking for a magic bullet. But church, I wanna suggest to you today that freedom and victory in our life is more about a life laid down. It is about a life laid down and given to Jesus. There's nothing more important you will ever do in your life. And freedom, living free, is on the other side of that. It's on the other side of that every time. Every time. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Deny, take up, follow me. Deny, take up, follow me. Deny, take up, follow me. He says, if any of you wants to be my disciple, to be free, you have to be a disciple of Jesus. Okay? We all know that. He says, so if you want to be a disciple, you want to get the freedom that you so desire, deny, take up, follow me. That's where it's at. It's all about the life laid down. It's not, the key is to focus on him and not on what he can do for you. If you really want to experience the freedom that he came to give you. God forbid that we should think that freedom would cost us nothing. Let me say it again. God forbid that freedom would cost us nothing. And I know some of you might be thinking that man's a heretic because freedom is something we get for free. Deny, take up, follow me. That's not free. That costs you something. If you're going to deny yourself, that's costly. Taking up your cross is costly. Following Jesus is costly. Trust me, I've been there, I know it, and a lot of you do too. It is not something that costs us nothing. Sustainable freedom requires commitment to Jesus. And let me ask you, if God were to supernaturally come into a situation right now in your life and was to set you free from something that you feel in bondage to, and when I'm talking bondage, I'm not talking about the, those things that reared their head in our life that we're having to constantly just kinda you know, beat away and keep off of us, but it's something that you have a tendency towards. That's not bondage, okay? We're human beings. There's going to be issues in our life that we're going to have to continually respond to and say no to and repent of. I'm talking about where you feel like you are helpless. You are in chains. You are in a prison that you just cannot break free from, okay? And if that's you, and if God came into that situation today and completely set you free, would you guard whatever that is? Would you guard it? Because, you know, when you get set free from something, that puts, you, that puts a target on your back for the enemy. Don't think that the enemy is gonna look at you and go, well, God set him free, so I guess I'll leave him alone. That's where he goes after the most. Where you have experienced freedom in your life is where the enemy comes at you the most, church. 
because he's very strategic. And guess what? If he can take away that freedom that you know you had and now you're struggling with it again, all of a sudden you start questioning your faith, you start questioning Jesus, you start questioning the power of God in your life. Is he even real? Do I even love him? Is this any, is this any good? And if he can get you there, he can do a lot. He can get you to walk away from that faith. So are you even willing to guard it if God does do a supernatural work? If God does a work in your family and you see it, are you gonna guard it or are you gonna go back into bad habits? Because the choice is ours. We choose whether or not we're gonna live in the freedom God gave us in our life. And if we live in bondage, it shows that we still have a relationship with sin in our life. I know that just sounds mean, <laughs> but it's just the truth. If we are living in bondage, it shows that we still have a relationship with sin. Not, not where sin's trying to come into our life and we're fighting it off, but where we've actually embraced it. We've embraced it. Romans is very clear about this. Romans 8 is one of the best chapters in all the Bible. I encourage you to read it and study it, but it's also very challenging and difficult because Paul speaks the truth hardcore in this, book, in this chapter. And I wanna read just a couple verses. I'm gonna read verses five and six and then 15. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. That's the, our, our, na our nature is what puts us in bondage, okay? But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So freedom. So if our mind, if we're living according to the Spirit, we're free. The mind of sinful man is death or bondage or prison, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Freedom, in other words. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Paul's talking back to the same thing he said in Galatians. Don't allow yourself to be enslaved again by a yoke of slavery. But you didn't receive the spirit that made you a slave again to fear. Your mind takes you there and allows you to go to that place. But you have received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Praise God. That's who he is. So if we are in bondage, if we are feeling like we're living in a prison in our life, we have a relationship with sin, and that relationship needs to be dealt with. You need to break up. You need to have a define the relationship and come to Jesus meeting and break up with that sin and say, get out. Block them on your phone. Do whatever you kids do nowadays when you end a relationship. Get rid of them. Ghost them, that's the word. Let's ghost sin. How about that? Just coined a new phrase. So what do we do? We repent. When we have a relationship with sin, we repent. I, I, I know I say it all the time, and I, I'm gonna say it till I, as long as I'm up on the stage, I'm gonna say it. The Christians, we should be repenting more than anybody else. Because I know you don't have sin mastered. I don't have to know any of your junk to know you don't have sin mastered. I know you don't, and I know I don't. I repent a lot. I repented yesterday. We need to repent. When we have relationship with sin, it is keeping us from the freedom that God has given us. And it's our choice. Are you gonna repent or are you just gonna kinda just keep plugging along in that bad relationship because you don't wanna hurt sin's feelings? All right, the, the second focus that keeps us from freedom is short-sightedness. Now this by itself doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but I can tell you this is as big of a hindrance in the life of a Christian as anything you'll ever deal with in your life being short-sighted, being about today, being about what's going on right now, 
being about everything that's surrounding me today and in my near future and just thinking about your, what you have, me and mine and everything that belongs to me and everything I have influence over and everything that has influence over me in my life. Can I tell you today that we are not meant to be primarily short-sighted in our faith. Our heart is not meant to just be here, okay? Now we are here, we have a life here, and that's good, and God blesses us, and we can, we can enjoy the fruits of his labor in our life even today, but our heart is not meant to just be here. Paul said it clearly, 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our eyes should be fixed on the eternal too, church. And I know that's challenging because the Bible doesn't talk a lot about heaven. It gives us enough to know it's gonna be really awesome. <laughs> but there's, there's so much ambiguity, right? But what we know is that there is more to this life than this life. Praise God for that, amen? And we're not just meant to fixate on the here and now and the today and being short-sighted because when we are short-sighted, what we're worried about is ourselves, and the best way to be in prison in your life is to be fixated on yourself. That's the best way to be in bondage. You see, society today, all, all, the, all the, the societal gurus, the people that study culture and sociologists, what they're saying now, and I'm sure you would agree with me too, is that the two primary motivating factors in people in society in the West right now are individual freedom and self-expression. Those are the two primary motivating factors for human beings in the United States today, not just the US, pretty much all over, okay? Totally makes sense, right? You see that and you think, oh yeah, individual freedom, you know, I can do whatever I want. If it's good for me, it's good, that's all. You don't need to worry about it. I'm doing my thing, you do yours. If I'm not hurting anybody else, what's the big deal? And then self-expression. You can't, you can't say that what I'm doing isn't right. I'm gonna express myself in any way I want. I'm gonna determine who I am. I'm gonna determine what gender I am. I'm gonna determine everything about myself. And if you say anything about it, you're just mean. And so what do we do? Zip the lip, right? Because these are the primary motivating factors and you know you can't touch these things. And you know what? That's the way society is right now. It is what it is, but what's tragic is that that philosophy has crept into our faith too. It's come into the, our faith. Where I can look at those two, word, those two express those terms and say, there's a lot of Christians that live that way. My faith is about my individual freedom and my self-expression. My faith is about how it is to me. Whatever it means to me is what it means. We're seeing it, right? You see scriptures getting twisted and contorted because people want it to line up with how they feel. So if how I feel doesn't line up with this, what do I do? I just reinterpret this. I make up definitions. I make up meanings. I say, well, that's not really what it meant. I know that's what everybody thought it meant up until a year ago, but it doesn't mean that anymore. Because right? it doesn't line up with how I feel. It doesn't line up with my individual freedom. It doesn't line up with how I want to express myself. So I'm just going to twist this. I'm going to reinterpret it and make it say what I want it to say. And can I tell you today, if your individual freedom and self-expression doesn't line up with this, this is not what's wrong. This is not wrong, this is unchanging, okay? This has been here forever. This is the word of God, this is who God is. He does not change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can stand on it, amen? And when your faith is lived out this way, and, and church, 
I think that's something we all have to deal with today because it's so prevalent. It's, it's, it's pushing hard against us to adhere to this philosophy even in our faith. So don't sit here today and think, I'm impervious to that. It's a challenge for all of us. But if we live our faith out this way, you are guaranteed to be in a prison. It's a guarantee because it's completely contrary to how what we were created to be, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. That is the opposite of personal, individual freedom and self-expression. It's the opposite. My life's not my own. It's his. It's his to do whatever he wants with. And as long as your faith is about you, you will never be free. And it sounds counterintuitive that our life can't be about ourselves if we really want freedom. If I want freedom, I gotta rely on somebody else. Well, when that somebody else is Jesus, you're in pretty good hands. And it's the truth of who he is. And so when, when our faith is about ourselves and we're short-sighted and we're just thinking about the here and now, safety becomes one of the top priorities in our life. Comfort, safety, right? Prosperity, me, me, taking care of me. Can I tell you today, I know safety is a big deal because we're, we're born with the innate desire to be safe, right? A baby reacts when it thinks it's getting, when something's coming in its face quickly, right? It's, it's born, it's innate in us to wanna be safe and comfortable, right? But when we, when we step into faith and you realize that what the word of God says, it, it, it can't all be about safety. And the reality is, is that the promise or the assurance of safety does not bring freedom in your life. It doesn't bring freedom at all. If I could guarantee you today that your health will never ever falter or fail, you're gonna live to be 110 and you're gonna die in your sleep at a ripe old age and never feel an ounce of pain in your life and you believed me, it would not set you free. It would just replace, your fear would just move on to something else. Your lack of freedom would just move somewhere else. The assurance of safety does not bring freedom in our life, not to mention there's no way you can be assured of safety. There's going to be struggles in this walk. There's going to be hurdles in this walk. Freedom does not mean that we're gonna be struggle-free. It means we're gonna be free in the midst of the struggle. I think we would all agree Jesus was never not free. Yet if you read his, the, the Gospels and you read his response in the Garden of Gethsemane, you can see that he was stressed out. That's a, that's a gross understatement of how he actually felt in that moment, right? He knew he was about to go to the cross to be tortured and killed. He was stressed out, yet he did not lose his freedom. What did he do? He prayed through it. He prayed through. It doesn't mean that the trials won't come. It doesn't mean there won't be times where you're emotional. It, won't, it doesn't mean there won't be times where you're stressed out, where you're freaking out, where you don't know what's gonna happen. But it just causes us, when we're free, it just causes us to go back to our roots, we go back to Jesus, we go back to prayer, we go back to the word, we stand on the truth of God's word. But if we're short-sighted, all we care about is making sure this situation is dealt with right here in front of me. God, you gotta deal with this one. This is what I need. If you can deal with this, I'll be free. Then my stress and my worry will be gone. <laughs> no, it won't. She's gonna move to something else because that's exactly what it does. Philippians 1, 19 to 21. It says, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live as Christ, is Christ and to die is gain. Most of us know that verse, right? To live is Christ. There's been songs written about it. We've sung those songs, but do we really believe it? 
We know what to say, but do we really believe it? Paul was writing this from a, he was under house arrest in Rome waiting to stand before Caesar, knowing that anything could happen. Yet he says, for me to live as Christ, die as gain. He was under house arrest and he was more free than many of us are. Because it's not about geography. It's about where you are in your heart. He knew that this life on this earth is temporary. It's temporal. And there's so much more that we have. There's so much more that, than this world could ever offer us that we have in this life. And so it affects our freedom when we can't see that, when we're just fixated on the here and now. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm having an eternal perspective in my life, I can be free in a physical prison. I can be free no matter where I am because my freedom does not depend on where I am. My freedom depends on whether or not I really know my God and whether I know the truth of who he is and the truth of his word and where my destiny is. That's where the freedom really comes into our life. Matthew 10, 28, we don't have this verse, but I'm gonna read it. These are the words of Jesus. He says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. We have nothing to fear in this world. But if all you're worried about is your personal comfort and safety and blessing, then you will not be free because there are no guarantees. There are absolutely no guarantees. Freedom comes in the midst of those things, not in spite of them. Praise God. Would you stand with me, please? We'll, we're gonna pray. I wanna invite you to the altar if you would like to come so we can pray together because we all need freedom, amen? We need freedom, and I believe as our focus is on him, it, it, it changes our perspective, even of freedom, church. The posture of our heart matters. Having a posture of a life laid down is a recipe for transformation in our life. Having a posture of a life laid down is a recipe for transformation. We all wanna be transformed. We all wanna be more like him. We all wanna experience the freedom that he came to give us. It's about a life laid down. It is about knowing your Lord and Savior, that he's not a subcontractor in your life. You know, I was a builder for a while and we subcontract everything, right? You just, the beauty of it is you just call a guy, you have him come in and do the job you need. When he's done, he goes away. You don't have to worry about making sure you have work for that person every day. You just call him as needed, right? And it works. But I feel like too often we approach our relationship with Jesus that way too, where he's kind of a subcontractor. Okay, Jesus, uh, I need you to come in and give me fix this situation. I need some freedom here. I'm finding myself freaking out. Can you come and fix this? And then he comes into a situation and then you're like, okay, go away. I'll let you know if I need you again. And he, we have a subcontractor relationship with him when really he wants to be full time in our lives. And church, if I can encourage you in anything else today, you're not gonna experience the freedom that God wants you to have in your life if you do not know his word. We have to know his word. The church at large is more biblically illiterate than it's ever been in the history of the Bible, by far. Do you know everybody thought with COVID and the shutdowns and everybody being locked in at home that Bible reading was gonna go up? Do you know what actually went down? That's what every poll shows. People are less and less and less committed to the word of God. How are we gonna understand and know the freedom and know the character of our God who brings freedom into our life if we don't know him. If your Bible knowledge comes on a Sunday morning when I read about six verses, that's like .0001% of the Bible. It'd take you 3,000 years to have the whole Bible said to you. 
if it's just Sunday mornings. Get in the word. It is what transforms us. God's word transforms us, not me. It's his word that transforms us and it is worth it. It is worth it in your life, church. Listen, if you had, if you had a, a, a child of yours that has a psychology class, they got their big psychology book and they're about to take their quiz or their big final exam and they're just holding this psychology book up to their head saying, God, please put this stuff in my head. Please, God, I need to pass this exam. We would probably have them institutionalized, right? Yet we do it with this book all the time. God, reveal your word to me. Well, read it. How can you reveal something to you that you don't know, right? Get in it. There's days that I read my Bible that if you ask me 30 minutes later what I read, I couldn't tell you. And then there's days I read it that I can't put it down. I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you it's the greatest joyride, roller coaster, yee-haw thing in the world to read your Bible every day, but it is worth it. It is worth it to stay in the Word because that is what transforms us. And we need freedom. We need to walk in this freedom. The freedom is yours to be had. It's up to you to take it and to step out of that prison where you are free to leave. You are free to leave whatever prison you're in. If it's financial, if you feel like you can never get ahead financially, if you are in bondage to spending money or it's greed or selfishness or relational or your health, whatever it is, whatever that fear is in your life that's driving you, you are free to leave it behind. Don't continue in your relationship with sin. All right, let's, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you for your word today because we know it is truth. We know that it is what transforms us. It is what sets us free. So God, we bless you today. We thank you today, God, that you came to set us free. It was for freedom's sake that you have set us free. And Lord, we don't want to allow ourselves to be put into slavery ever again. No more bondages in our life. In Jesus' name today, we stand against the bondages that wanna come against us. We are breaking up with sin. Lord, where we have allowed sin in our life, God, we repent of it today. We thank you that we don't have to stay in that relationship, but we can walk away and we can turn around and never go back. Lord, would you help us, give us the backbone to do that today. Give us the backbone to walk in your freedom. Lord, we want the emotional experience too. Lord, we pray you would do a supernatural work, that you would awaken our souls so that we would be on fire for you, Jesus. But Lord, also help us to walk it out, to live in the knowledge and the understanding that you give us, Lord, to live this life of freedom that you paid such an incredible price for us to have. Lord, we wanna walk in it. We wanna live in it. God, we don't wanna live our faith and let it be about self-expression and personal freedoms. Lord, we wanna lay down our lives. We wanna deny ourselves. We wanna take up our cross. We wanna follow you. Our flesh doesn't wanna do it. Our flesh wants to do the exact opposite of that. But God, we pray that your spirit in us would rule and reign so that we would be willing and excited and passionate about denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following you for your glory, Lord. Lord, help us not to, to be short-sighted in this life and just looking for the comforts of this life, but that we would know that there's so much more. There's so much more, Lord. Lord, we wanna be free in the midst of our trials, free in the midst of the struggle, free in the midst of the freak out sessions and the stressing out. We wanna be free in the midst of all of that, God. And Lord, give us a hunger for your word. Lord, would you give us a hunger to know you, Lord. We don't wanna be illiterate in your word. God, help us to make the decisions we need to make to make sure that we are making place for that in our life. 
We make place for TV. We make place for social media. We make place for so many things, God. Help us to be intentional to make place for your word in our lives in a daily way. We thank you for it today, Lord. We love you and we bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Praise God. Yes, let's praise God. Thank you, Lord. Mm, hallelujah. Praise God.